All right, turn with me to the book of John. I'm not going to talk about John the Baptist this morning, but we are going to be back in the book of John. In the eighth chapter, John chapter 8. going to be discussing something I've mentioned quite a few times in the last few months. I don't know why it's been on my heart so much, but I don't know that I've really given a lot of proof text, if you will, to the claim that I'm making. And uh, even if I have, and even if you've heard it, and even if you agree with me, I think we need to hear it again. Um, It is of vital uh, importance to us that we understand um, some of these things and how they work in our lives. John chapter 8 And we'll start with, well, I'm not going to read verse 12, but that's where this story picks up. In John chapter 8, verse 12, we see Jesus Christ, who is having an ongoing and fairly heated discussion with the Jews and the Pharisees and the leaders, uh, trying to tell them important things about who he is. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And when I say heated, it's very heated. Uh, Jesus Christ is speaking very plainly to them and telling them all types of things that they need to hear. And so we could read all of this, and again, I'm not going to, but I would encourage you to to go home and take a look at it. But really where I want to focus today is near the end of the chapter, near the end of chapter 8, he kind of comes to a conclusion, and he makes a very bold declaration. So I want to pick up with verse 54. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. Mm. But I know him, and I keep his sayings. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not fifty years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. And so he passed by. And so this is of vital importance to us, for us to understand exactly what is going on here. And the key phrase here is, I am. Now Jesus mentioned this a couple of times. In fact, in the book of John, we have what's commonly referred to as the seven I am statements. These would be very familiar to you. Going back a few chapters in John 6, 35, Christ proclaims, I am the bread of life. Thereby telling us that he is what gives spiritual nourishment, strength, and satisfaction to those who believe. In 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. That's how he opens the passage that we skipped over earlier in the first part of the chapter, chapter 8. I am the light of the world. He gives illumination to everything. 
10, verse 7, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. He provides the way and full security for us. In 11 and 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. It is Jesus Christ who gives us that free gift of eternal life. John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. He's the one that watches over us, guides us, and protects us. John 14 and 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he reveals God's fulfillment for us. And in 15.1, he says, I am the true vine, thereby setting us up to understand that we live through him. And so he has these seven, if you will, I am statements that are recorded in the Gospel of John. But those are different from what he just said that we read in 8 and 58. Those are explanations of the things that he is. And he is saying, I am these things. But in um, chapter 8, verse 58, he's saying something very different. He is saying, I am, complete sentence, full stop. Not I am like this or I am this to you, but simply I am. We really must understand that. Now, I want to be careful to, to point out a couple of things. What he is not saying in this statement, back in John chapter 8, is I, uh, before Abraham existed, I existed. Or before Abraham was, I was. In fact, the tense of these words make that very clear. If you study uh, the Greek, which I don't read Greek, but I study people who do, and it makes it very clear that Abraham is past tense and he is speaking in present tense. And he's not just saying that before Abraham was, he was, or that would be something entirely different. In fact, if he was just claiming that he was older than Abraham, like they interpreted it, everybody would have laughed at him and said, well, you're just crazy because you're clearly not older than Abraham. Now, that's not to say that God, um, that Jesus Christ wasn't in existence before Abraham. He was and is, but that wasn't the thrust of what's being said here. So I want to make that abundantly clear. So what's different from the I am statements that I read to you before? What's different than I am the bread, I am the life, I am the light, I am the good shepherd? And what's different between that and saying that I was existing before Abraham and what in fact that he says uh, I am now is very, very important. Again, understand that Jesus Christ is saying, I am. And if that phrase is familiar with you, you can find it in the book of Exodus. You can turn there if you want for just a moment. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, we find Moses, who's off keeping his sheep and sees an amazing sight, wanders over to a bush that is burning but not consumed, and a voice comes from the bush and begins to have a conversation with Moses. In verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me to you. 
And so understand the power that is within this phrase. This is a complete phrase. You could interpret it as I have written in my margin here. I am he that is. I simply am. There is no past. There is no current. There is no future. I am. And when God said that is his name, it wasn't a characteristic about him. It wasn't a way that we describe him as many of our terms for God uh, we have. This literally is the name of God, a full sentence, I am. I am the existent eternal one. I am him. I am it. This is a powerful way to describe. Well, it's not a powerful way. It's a powerful name. In fact, from this, we get the English translation, um, Yahweh. But understand in the times, not only that Jesus Christ was walking on earth, and in the Old Testament times, you were not allowed to say that name. That was how holy it was. That's how special it was. And so they would have other names, Adonai and other things of that nature, to take the place of this name of God, because you were not allowed to speak the very name of God. And so when we go back to the book of John and understand exactly what Jesus Christ is saying to them, he's not just saying, I'm older than Abraham. He is saying, I am, as in I am God. And they knew exactly what he was saying. How do we know what they knew what he was saying? Well, read the rest of it. They took up stones to stone him. They knew and understood full well, better than we do, what Jesus Christ was proclaiming. And he was proclaiming and declaring, in fact, I am God. This is very important. But it's not the only time that he proclaimed something like this. Also in the book of John, I see a second example. Chapter 10, probably a few pages over for you. 30 through 33. Now, this is not an I am statement, but this is very similar Chapter 10, verse 30 of John, it says, And my father, I and my father are one. I and my father are one. And here again, the Jews knew perfectly well what this meant because it says in verse 31, And the Jews took up, took up stones to stone him again. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Did Jesus make himself God? Hardly. He is God. No one made Jesus Christ God. He did not make himself God. Jesus Christ is God. And we must absolutely and firmly believe this. This is a core tenet and purpose of our faith that Jesus Christ is not just a good man, is not just a good teacher, is not just someone we should follow after, but is in fact fully God. He proclaims it over and over again and he performs miracles that only those sent by God can do. And again, it says they tried to stone him and if you read further down through the end of that, you'll also see he escapes the stoning this time as well. But let me move on to chapter 13. John chapter 13. I read this on Easter morning for the sunrise service. Didn't I? No, I guess I didn't. Sorry. 
Um, I didn't read this, but I have in the past. Okay, John chapter 13, just to set the stage here, what we see again is we see that Jesus Christ uh, has gathered his disciples for the Last Supper, that he has washed their feet, and then he gives them a very important message. John chapter 13, let me start with verse 18. Now I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is to come to pass, that ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Let me go back to verse 19 at the end of it. It says, uh, ye may believe that I am he. Is how the King James reads it. Now, for those who were here a few Sunday nights ago, we talked about some techniques for how to read the scriptures. And you'll notice if you have King James as I do, or perhaps another version that has the same phrase in there, that the word he is italicized, which means it was added for context. But if you drop that he, and you perfectly can, what is the statement made? Now, I tell you before it has come, that when it has come to pass, you may believe that I am. And we see Jesus being very, very clear to his disciples before he is betrayed. I am. And he is giving this encouragement to his disciples so that they remember after when all things have been fulfilled, that he has been betrayed, he has been unjustly uh, arrested, that he has been beaten, that he has been crucified for our sins, that he has been dead and buried and resurrected, that they would have the encouragement that we celebrated at Easter just last week, that Jesus Christ is the great I am, that he is in fact God. And he is telling them beforehand, I want you to know this beforehand, that I am. Now flip a few more pages. John chapter 18. This is what I read to you in the morning. And it's currently one of Vivian's favorite passages. Because she, like I, a number of years ago, had spent many years reading this and never picked up in this little portion of the scripture. Let me try and expound it a little bit more for you this morning. In John chapter 18, we have carried forth. Jesus Christ has left the garden, uh, left the upper room and gone to the garden. He's given us his uh, message that he gives to us today and praying over those who would believe. And then he's in the garden earnestly praying when he is betrayed. And John gives us the account. Begin with verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Who seek ye? I didn't give that first part. The, uh, the, the, the uh, rebel rousers, the band had come to arrest him. He's there praying and the, the group had come to arrest him. And, and when they come, Jesus stands up and says, Who do you seek, basically? And picking up with verse 5. And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said unto them, I am. Again, the he is italicized. Let's just leave that off. I am is what Jesus said. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he had said unto them, I am, 
they went backwards and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again, Whom seek you? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. And so here we have twice that he proclaims it again, and once that we learn in context the power of him simply saying, I am God, is to bring everyone there instantly to the ground. <coughs> I have written in the margins here when I discovered this years ago, Psalms 27 and 2, it says, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, they stumble and fell. Or Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every name should bow, every knee should bow. And so, brothers and sisters, I want us to understand the importance of what we see here. We see multiple times that Jesus Christ is saying, I am, and equating himself, and claiming, and proclaiming to the world, both in private to his disciples, and in public to the mob, and in public to the religious leaders of the day, I am God. I am he that is. There is no mistake about what Jesus Christ was claiming. They did not crucify him because he did a lot of miracles. They did not crucify him just because he was preaching against their establishment and calling them out for their faults. They did not crucify him just because they were jealous. They did not crucify him just because they wanted power. I have no doubt in my mind that all of those and more were factors that played into this. But the reason that they crucified him was for blaspheming, which means claiming to be God. Leviticus 24 and 16 tells us the punishment for this. Whomever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. And so we see the context here that if you were to stand up in a group of people and claim to be God, the Old Testament law was to stone that person. They tried that twice and it didn't work. And so they resorted to using the Romans to crucify him. In fact, we're told in John 17, I'm sorry, John 19 and 7. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought die, because he made himself the Son of God. And so we must understand who in fact Jesus is so that we understand who, in fact, we are. Now, as I've mentioned, this is the part that I said I've mentioned over and over again, and maybe you're tired of hearing me say it. But so many people in our culture today, including people who would call themselves Christians, seem to shy away from standing on the firm principle that Jesus Christ is, in fact, God. They would rather him be someone we should model our lives after or follow after or a really good teacher or a prophet of some type. But they don't go far enough to fully claim and believe what he claimed and believed and said as in fact is true and proved by his deeds that he is the son of God. He is equal to God. He is God. He is the great I 
am. And this failure to truly believe this is a real problem. Christ declared that he is God. And you know what? For anyone else to do that, it would be blasphemy. If I was to stand here today and tell you that I am God, please don't stone me, but you ought to have right to remove me very quickly from this pulpit. And honestly, remove me from the church. But Jesus Christ had a right to say it because it was true about him. He declared over and over again who he is, and he told us why he came. So let me go back to those first I am statements that I read. And keep this in mind. I'm going to read them again for you, but keep this in mind. Unless Jesus truly is God, these statements don't matter, do they? How can you be the life if you're not God? How can you be the way? How can you be the good shepherd? How can you be any of these great I am statements unless you are the I am and in fact God? You can't. They fall weak. They are not encouraging. They are not beautiful. They are not hopeful. They are not full of grace and forgiveness. They simply are lies. If Jesus Christ isn't God. And so with everything that I've told you, with the understanding that he will stand up in a crowd and proclaim to be God, that he will tell his disciples privately that he is God, and that when they come to arrest him, he will say, I am taking the very name of God upon himself and having such power go out that everyone falls back to their knees. And then he clarifies and says it again, I am God. And then willingly gives his life up for us. With all that in mind, listen to what I'm saying again. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. Aren't we thankful today that Jesus Christ is I am? That He is God. And in the only way that I can say that, He was and is and is to come. Because He simply is, you see. And I am thankful today that God saw fit in His infinite wisdom... That when he created the world, and when Jesus Christ was there creating the world through him and by him and in him, that he saw fit to have the great I am come to earth to die for me. So that he can be my shepherd. So that he can be my bread and my sustenance. So that he can be my truth and my life. So that he can be the vine that I draw everything good from. All the nourishment that I need in life, I get by being a part of him. That he would send his son to be the light of the world. There's another beautiful study in the book of John. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you today who Jesus Christ is. And I again leave you with a great question. 
What do you believe? Do you believe that he is, in fact, God? Really, think about it. Because if you truly do, it changes everything about how we got here and why we're here. It changes everything. It answers all these questions that we have, doesn't it? The questions that we all ask all throughout our lives, that we've asked from the beginning of time and probably more so now that we have all these competing distractions and things to fill our lives that leave us feeling void and empty. Why, why, why? What am I doing here? What is the goal? What is the purpose? If Jesus Christ is who he said he is, and he said he's God, and I believe that he is, it answers all those questions. Our sole purpose in life is to what? To glorify him. Everything that we do, no matter what we do with our hands or our minds or our tongues or anything that we do, we should do all for what? For the glory of God. And so I ask you today, what do you believe? Because if you truly confess as I do that he is the great I am, it should and ought to change everything about how you live. And if you have never confessed who he is, if you've never truly believed in who he is, then you are not part of him. He is not your shepherd. He is not your bread. He is not your gate. He is your way to life. And he is still the truth. Brothers and sisters, I urge you, if you have never received him, confess and seek him. Because someday, someday at the end of time, or the end of your life, you will stand before an almighty God. You will say, why did you not believe in the great I am who I sent And just like those soldiers in the mob who came to arrest Jesus, you will fall flat on your face with no excuse because today you have heard the truth. And only that truth, which is the fact that Jesus is the great I am, will set you free and restore you unto God. So let's have a hymn, a time to reflect on what this means to us, a time to consider whether or not you believe and how you believe and what you're going to do about it. As we seek to do the will of God in our lives.